the gates and ready to go. Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow underway on this Wednesday edition. Glad you're with us across the Outkick Network, which includes YouTube, the Outkick channel there, Outkick.com, and this great radio partner that uh, you may be listening to. Jam-packed show today. Dan Dockich from Don't At Me here on Outkick. He joins us in 20 minutes, as he does each and every Wednesday. Uh, primary complaint also later this hour. We will air our top grievance of the week. WWE superstar Drew McIntyre preparing for SummerSlam coming up a week from Saturday. He stops by in hour number two. And later, Dan Z joins us from OutKick.com. We'll discuss cheering on, rooting, hoping that the United States wins in the U.S. Uh, in the Women's World Cup. And uh, the U.S. Women's National Team plays this evening against the Netherlands. Chad? Good afternoon. We'll discuss Dan's communist views coming up a little bit later. I, I kid. I joke. Totally. Love Dan. That's going to be a fun little debate coming up later in the show. Hutton, I'm also thrilled to announce to everyone this week is flying by so far. Is it? These shows are flying by. It's been great. You don't feel the same? Fast three hours coming your way then. Fastest three hours in all of sports coming up. But no, it's, it's, been, it's been good. I feel like we've quickly gotten to this Wednesday. Yeah, and uh, we quickly have a new highest paid player in the NFL. That's where we'll start. With our uh, top headlines, the Scorch Earth top storylines today, it starts with Justin Herbert. He becomes the NFL's highest paid player. Five-year extension for the Chargers quarterback, $262 million in total value. The fully guaranteed money is $133 million, and he's averaging now $52.5 million per season. That is $500,000 more than Lamar Jackson. And a million and a half more, I believe, than what Hertz received in Philly. And now we wait on Joe Burrow. But, Chad, Justin Herbert, when you look at what he's done with very little on the Chargers' defensive effort and the, the passing numbers he's put up, if they figure out that defense, he is rising to that next shelf of elite He's right there in that next tier, at least for me. And the Chargers get this deal done. Armando Salguero wrote at OutKick yesterday that the, the fully guaranteed debate never really even came up with Herbert. And they've had little success to show for it uh, in, in, as far as the win-loss record and what they've done in the playoffs. But this is a no-brainer for the Chargers to lock him up based on, I mean, he has 14,000 passing yards in three years, 95 touchdown passes in three years. Herbert, to me, exemplifies the perfect example of a guy with nothing not to really like, but for me, nothing also to truly love. That's why he's the highest-paid quarterback and highest-paid player in the league, because he should be. And I'll be the first to admit that. Where he is right now in the cycle of getting paid next, he should be the guy. Now it's going to be Burrow, and he's going to sign a bigger deal, and he's going to make more than Herbert. But size, youth, accuracy, some running ability to go with it, no real off-the-field issues with Herbert. So many things to truly, really, really like about Herbert. But I also look at Herbert, and I see a guy, sometimes in, in crunch time, but just overall, and I think with the great ones, we don't sit and talk about how bad their defense is. Well, And, and that, that right now is a bit of a crutch for him. He should have got this contract. I understand all of that. 
there's nothing I truly love about Herbert, but I really like absolutely everything about him. The, there's also no big weakness. That's, well, the, that's the thing with him, right? I can't point to something and say he really needs to get better at this because he's already really good at everything, and he's still very young. In his first three seasons, the Chargers offense with Herbert, they've scored more points than any quarterback uh, has done in their first three seasons with a franchise. And on the flip side of that, the Chargers defense has allowed more points than any quarterback on the other side of the football in the first three seasons for an NFL QB. That's, I mean, if he's failing in crunch time, it's because of a 35-34 shootout more than it is uh, getting a defensive effort and getting a stop if you give the ball back to the other team. I'm eager to see where they take this on the defensive side and what they've done through trades and and other things recently, uh, free agent signings and more out in in Los Angeles. And a couple guys who were there when he got there, Austin Eckler and Keenan Allen, pretty big part of that offensive success also. Certainly Eckler making the argument right now that he is as big a part of that offensive scoring explosion for that team as anyone. Chad, we're going to see the NBA salary cap explode. Uh, It's going to be uh, $136 million for the upcoming NBA season. In four years, it's projected to be at $200 million per team. And that is reflecting in what we're seeing in contracts, the Supermax contracts. Uh, Jalen Brown is the first $300 million NBA player. And he's the second best player on his team behind Jason Tatum, who's also eligible for a massive extension with the Boston Celtics. But he gets the Supermax contract. He's eligible for it as the cap is rising and as they enter a 10-year agreement with the collective bargaining uh, between the NBA and its players, and they're going into negotiations for a new TV contract as well. Um, Yeah, this feels like to me, while it's it's being crushed, where we're headed on these contracts, this feels like Mike Conley, what was it, 2016, 2017? Yeah. Mike Conley became, was a $150 million player. And then Steph Curry was eligible the year after Conley and became the first $200 million player. It's about timing and it's about the, uh, just the, the knowledge of you've got things locked up with the players and the, uh, the, the, the union for a while. That's extremely beneficial as you try to plan things if you're a, a team in a franchise wanting to build around your top two or three players and knowing that you're going from 136 this year to over 200 million that you can you know, spread around over the next four seasons. Jalen Brown's a very good player. He's not highest paid player in the NBA type guy. No one is going to argue that. The NBA leads all of sports in the WTF contract. In WTF is this guy, and WTF, how are they making this much money? Constantly. There are so many contracts. There are enormous contracts. Hutton, you went through a few of them a couple weeks ago. Being signed by guys I didn't even know played in the league. At least Jalen Brown is a guy we've all heard of that has done good things for a power organization in the Celtics, and he is the second best player on the team. At least I know Jalen Brown and know he's a really good player. But there are plenty of guys who are role players for teams signing gigantic contracts. It is good to be really good at basketball. That, that's, that's the lesson here. When you look at this and juxtapose it with what NFL running backs are dealing with right now, and granted, you know, dealing with $10.1 million a year as a franchise, there's worse things to deal with. But 
Jalen Brown just made $300 million in a contract. It's a huge difference right there. It, it pays to play basketball. And, I mean, it, they're going to continue to pay even more. I mean, we'll look back on this and be like, remember when Jalen Brown was the first $300 million? When they reached a $400 million player in a couple of years. It, it, it will rise to that. When Victor Wimbenyama signs a $500 million yeah. deal. It's like, man, remember that Jalen Brown really got a, a, the rough end of it back then with that $300 million deal. Ted Northwestern is uh, up in Indianapolis earlier today at Big Ten Media Days, or at least David Braun, their interim head coach, uh, is because the Northwestern players, uh, the collective group of Bryce Gallagher, Rod Hurd, and Bryce Kurtz, uh, released a statement collectively saying that they chose not to go and attend on behalf of the Wildcat football program based on everything being centered around the lawsuits and hazing allegations and Fitzgerald being fired more than the upcoming football season. And uh, David Braun did address uh, the media today for about a 10-minute statement, but didn't say all that much and uh, did clarify that this was all the player's decision not to attend had nothing to do with the the university, the athletic department, or him and the players coming to that decision. But Braun spoke, but didn't say very much about what has happened, just about what they're going into this football season. I have a hard time believing that the university and the football program had nothing to do with the players deciding not to attend. That statement starts by, we spoke to our parents. Okay, fine. Our teammates... They spoke to coaches. They spoke to the university. And I guarantee you, the university and coaches dissuaded them from attending media days. Why? They can't say anything. I I want them to speak also. But the bottom line is, they can constantly say, because of ongoing litigation, we can't speak about hazing allegations. And they're right. The university's right to tell them that right now. Their coach is right to tell them that. And the players are right to say that when asked about it. That, that's how they're going to get a, away from this. They're going to be asked a lot of questions about it once the season starts. And every time they're asked, they are going to say the same thing. Because of ongoing litigation, we can't speak to any past hazing allegations. But let me tell you about Northwestern fo- football of the future and what we're going to do now moving forward. That's what I, David Braun, can control. That's what he said at Media Days. That's what we're going to continue to hear If you want any type of info or knowledge about what's happening, then just wait for those slow little incremental leaks from the lawsuits because player names are going to be put out there. Other coaches are going to be put out there in in these lawsuits. And once that news starts to leak more and more, that's where you're going to get your info. It's not going to be from any Northwestern players or coaches speaking to the media. Well, but the the North, if it's a culture issue, then the culture would have been present for that locker room as well. Oh, all of those, but, all of those but, assistant coaches that were left behind. Maybe yeah. not Braun, who just got right, there. Right. He's the only one that can stand up and say, "Well, I wasn't here for all of that, but here's what we're going to do moving I, forward." I, I do, I do buy the players coming to that decision because it would have been the program that would have selected them to attend in the first place, and it's three players with a collective statement on it, not you know, one or two that would have been invited, but the university didn't release their names that who was going to attend, right? Like that, uh, I don't know why you well, say. Well, when, when did they decide? That usually comes out like two or three weeks before it, 
when you make your yeah. election for who's well, going to attend media days? Uh, it, it was uh, the first story I read on it was last week about Northwestern and when they would be speaking and the three players going. Um, and then Braun certainly would have say in that too, overseeing the program and who he wanted there. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, for all the talking the school president's doing, I don't know why uh, the players can't go and just say exactly what Braun said or why you would select them in the first place. Well, I, I don't know when they were selected. I don't know the exact timeline, but I'm willing to bet that since they've been selected, other things have fallen, like two or three more lawsuits, uh, the announcement of two external investigations being launched. Look, they, they may have decided on their own. I, I, I think they decided on their own after getting counsel from university and coaches and family and everything they said they did. And you know what the counsel was from university and coach? Well, I believe it was, you can't say anything anyway, so don't go. And you, it's, it's up to you. It's your call. But you're not going to be able to say much. So probably best you don't go. But it's your decision. And they went back and made that statement and said, we're not going to go. Well, I'm not, a, I'm not a parent, but I'm assuming, like, if you're giving advice here and your son came and said, hey, you know, I'm, I'm going to media day, the, the players would have been the uh, – they would have been – they're more or less selected to be the face and the voice of whatever's going on and we haven't really heard from anyone. We heard from Braun publicly for the first time here. So I think that was also, if you're viewing it from the, the, the parental aspect, I mean, that would be the advice. Is like, you're not, there's no way to win and actually have you know, anything good come of it based on the questions and how, how you're asked to spin it versus no one else really talking publicly about it. So well, that, that does, to me, that tracks as a, a good decision uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if you're if you're just not going to show up. Just the university says they're not going to put the players out there without the players having to release a joint statement about it. My advice as a parent, and every situation is different. It depends on are you a senior, you know, what year are you there. My advice as a parent would be, hey, those other really good academic schools that recruited you out of high school, are they interested? Because yeah. you should probably transfer. That would be my advice as a parent. Now, if you're going into your fifth year senior year and you're getting a graduate degree from Northwestern, yeah, stick with it. You know, if you're a junior and you're going to graduate early, yeah, go ahead and get your degree would be my advice. But if you're a freshman or sophomore and you've got options at a Vanderbilt or a Duke or a Wake Forest, Stanford, I'm looking at other academically like-minded institutions, and I was recruited by them and I've had a decent career so far, I'd probably pick up the phone and call and see if there's space for me at one of those campuses and go ahead and finish up there at this point because it is a mess and yeah. it's only going to get worse before it gets better. Chad, uh, Saudi, right back in it in regards to soccer and the massive offer that Messi turned down. And we've seen his debut. It couldn't have gone any better in MLS in Miami uh, last weekend. Now we see the figures for Mbappe. A $1 billion offer. Now, $776 million for one year would go to Mbappe. The remainder of whatever's left on the $1.1 billion would go to Paris with, where he's playing to more or less buy out his contract for that year and bring him over to this Saudi league uh, with Ronaldo. Crazy, crazy money. And $776 million for one year to go and play soccer. These Saudi Arabian offers are the best evidence yet to my growing idea that money isn't real um 
it feels like the Saudi private investment oh, fund <laughs> has found a way to just print money. Yeah. And their construct of money is different from ours. The rest of the world has one way to view money. And then apparently Saudi Arabia has just cracked the code to just have uh, inf- infinity money at all times yep. to offer sports stars that I can't even wrap my head around figures like this. And most Americans can't. Sitting it's completely oil. insane. Sitting on oil. It's completely insane. Just ask Texas A&M. Their money. Boy, they could buy a heck of a quarterback <laughs> for that amount of money. Maybe they will. Aaron Rodgers might find some more uh, some eligibility in college for that kind of money. Dan Dockett joins us next on Hot Mike. Coming up, primary complaints. That's in about 20 minutes. Looking forward to that. Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow rolls on across the Outkick Network, where you can also find Don't At Me with Dan Dockich. Weekday mornings right here on Outkick. He joins us now. Dan, good to see you. What's happening? What's going on? Our, our week is moving fast. Is yours? Yeah, really fast. Been some good shows this week. A lot going on. I like it. I'm not mad about it even a little. Yeah, really good. In your uh, coaching playing days, did the NCAA ever negotiate a suspension for a for a coach? Uh, and what do you make of the, the Jim Harbaugh negotiation of four games for lying during an NCAA investigation? You know, I, I think this. Um, I, I think that... When you are a member of an organization or you're a member of a league or you're a member of a team or you're a member of a a community, a government, you have to, if you make a mistake, you have to admit it. And there was a time when just simply lying to the NCAA got you fired. There was a time when lying to your bosses got you fired. Some businesses still do that. I'm shocked, quite frankly, uh, given Harbaugh's record, the full body work, and I put it out on Twitter here lately, and a lot of Michigan fans are upset with me, but I could give a rat's. Uh, you know, Harbaugh hired and fired a guy that committed cyber crimes. That was his, like, defensive or offensive coordinator. I can't remember which one. He hired Shemmy Schembechler, had to fire him for racist comments, played a guy on felony ch- gun charge, tried to sneak it by, but the media actually caught that one. Then, of course, you know, people say, well, Harbaugh didn't really cheat. Well, they've admitted to that, and if it was no big deal, which is Michigan fans tell me, then why are you lying about it? Look, here's the deal in coaching. This is very, very simple. And and anybody that's ever coached or probably been in any kind of business knows this. When you coach, you sign certain documents. One of the documents you sign is that everything you're going to tell your bosses in the NCAA is going to be truthful. Another document you sign is there is no uh, recollection or nothing that you know of that involves cheating in your operation. Another document you sign as a head coach says that you are responsible for the entire program. You're responsible for your assistant coaches. And you sign those so that when you violate them, they've got something that you have said in writing or you have put in writing so they can fire you. I'm just shocked that this is a negotiation. I'm shocked that Harbaugh is able to have any type of say in anything when you have a lied like he did to the investigators. You can't lie to investigators. You know, and particularly a guy like Harbaugh, he, he's getting a Hunter Biden-esque kind of cover from the media. Nobody in Michigan's talking about it. Nobody nationally. I don't hear Dan Wolken. I don't hear Nicole Harbaugh. I don't hear uh, Heather Dinich or, or Jeremy Fowler. No one's even talking about this. And it's amazing that a coach as big and as powerful as him is just skating by here 
after cheating, lying about it, and then his total body work is out of a dirt bag. How is Jim Harbaugh on the right side of the media? Because he does not strike me as the type of personality or guy that would be on the right side of the media. So if he's on that right side of the media that you described, Dan, how, how did Jim Harbaugh, of all people, who can be a little bit crass, can be a little bit odd, how did he get on that side of it? Hopefully you didn't break anything. What did you just break? That. No, I just had a coffee cup and another cup go down, but they're okay because I'm swinging my arms. <laughs> you know what? I think this – I think his little quirkiness – uh, got him on the right side. But I think beating Ohio State twice yeah. got him on the right side. Look, let's be honest. Jim Trestle got fired for having his players literally sell their own stuff for tattoos, and then he wasn't forthcoming. He didn't lie. He just wasn't as forthcoming. He got fired for that. Urban Meyer had to sit and get suspended because they said he did. He protected a guy that had been on his staff, Zach Smith, uh, as an abusive husband, Irma's like, I didn't protect him. I tried to help him. I put him to, to therapy. Uh, and the media had a frenzy about this, guys. It was a sh- – back when Sports Illustrated actually mattered – I mean, Trestle's on the cover of Sports Illustrated. How deep did this go? Urban's on the cover of everything. How deep did this go? I don't get it, man. Harbaugh's sitting here, and this isn't Ohio State-Michigan thing. I gave $300,000 to the University of Michigan. My son has a degree from there, and I'm sure he's not too happy with me right now because I'm crushing them. But honest to God, Ohio State guys take a dump, and next thing you know, you've got headline news everywhere, and everyone's going nuts. And these freaking guys at Michigan, this guy's up just in the national championship game. I swear to God, he beat Ohio State twice and everybody's losing their mind. And I guess that got him on the right side of the media. Dan, I asked this question. I, I'm honestly not trying to be a smartass when I ask it. But is there a writer or media member that you actually like that's not employed by OutKick <laughs> or Fox? Because I, I'm, I'm genuinely curious to know if there's like a sports writer that you read and you think – Man, that guy does a good job covering college basketball or college football or the NFL. Yeah. I would, I would love to hear about this person if there is one. Yeah, Pete Thamel. I like Pete Thamel. Pete doesn't like me anymore because I'm here at OutKick. Uh, but Pete Thamel was the only guy that wrote honestly about what happened with me at West Virginia. He, he had happened to interview this kid, Jonathan Hargett, and Jonathan kind of collaborated my story. And then Pete, it got he was working for the New York Times – yeah, I like I, I like Frank Isola. I think Frank Isola is a good dude. Uh, that might be about it. Yeah, I think that's it. I don't. I, I mean, I you. I don't know. This is great though. No, this is like actually. positivity corner with Dan Dockett. You know, we don't hear it often. <laughs> I'm going to come in every time and just ask something that you like, and see that you're going to give us something you actually like hey, on this show. It'll be great. I'm sending you. I'm sending you guys a video. This is a true story. I'm in a good mood every day. Swear to God. My wife is like, I, I can't believe how every day you wake up. There. I'm always singing. I'm in a good mood, but I get in a bad mood when I start talking about media dudes because <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, I read what they write. This goes back to when I was a player. I remember reading something going, that's not what happened. <laughs> I remember then it working for Coach Nine. I'm like, that didn't happen. That, that's not right. And it just frustrated me. I used to be friends with some, but I have a tendency apparently to burn bridges. But on a daily basis, I do. I wake up singing every morning, and my wife's like, you're, you're exhausting because you're always in a good mood. I'm never in a bad mood, except when I talk to you guys. <laughs> you bring it. Dan Dockett's with us, host of Don't At Me uh, across the, the Outkick Network. Young, uh, Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud are QB1s. 
is Anthony Richardson a QB1? Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, and I'll tell you why. Chris Ballard talked to the media the other day, and he said the decision is going to be made by Shane Steichen, the coach, Chris Ballard, and Jimmy Ursay. Really? That means Jimmy Ursay's making the decision, fellas. Yeah. Like, let's be honest, right? You're in a meeting with the owner, and you're a first-year coach, and you're going, hey, I really think we should start Sam Ellinger. And then you're Ballard, who's on his last leg. Well, I really think, you know, uh, Gardner Minshew should start. Yeah, okay. No, he's going to start. They, they're going five, what is it, five, three, one, something like that in terms of reps. Five for Minshew now, three for uh, Richardson, one for, I, I think one is for Ellinger, maybe it's two. So they did that today. Uh, but, you know, in, in our media here, you know, like when Urban went to Jacksonville and he, he did that with Minshew and Trevor Lawrence, you thought all hell broke loose. Our media here is like, yeah, it's smart to bring him along. It's all crap. <laughs> you know, you paid – let me put it to you this. Let me ask you guys a question. They paid Minshew like one year, I don't know, $3 million. Do you think if he was a starting NFL quarterback and the NFL guys knew that he was an NFL starting quarterback, do you think somebody wouldn't have ponied up at least $5 million to sign the guy for a year? Minshew is Minshew. Richardson's going to start, and we're going to have to go through some, you know, mental masturbation before we get there. Shane Steichen, I mean, he, he, first-time head coach. He's offensive mind. He's got to – he wants Richardson. And then you, you mentioned Ballard. Uh, Gardner Minshew's going to save his job? Well, and you're like, right. Minshew is right. in the backup quarterback market with that pay. No doubt. That's ex- that's yeah. absolutely right. where the league values he's him. He's a good backup. He's, he's not, a, not a starting quarterback pay scale Type right. guy. He's a backup guy. Dan, I, I see this bill that was put forth um, by Senators Tuberville and Manchin on NIL and sort of the future of college sports. And I go through each item and I think, okay, maybe, maybe, probably not, maybe, likely this could happen. But there's one that really jumps out, and that's closing up the transfer portal again uh, for three years, unless there's a special exception, a death in the family, if the head coach leaves. A player could transfer immediately with that. And I think to myself, I don't know that we could put that genie back in the bottle of closing the transfer portal up now that it's been open. What do you think? Yeah, it's interesting. Um, The transfer portal is what it is. I I do think, though, you know, different sports have gone to different things, a one-time transfer. One of the problems when I read that, and I read the same thing that you read, and I, and I thought kind of the same thing. You know what? Uh, they tried to do that. They said it was a one-year sit-out with possible exceptions. And then all of a sudden, everybody got the exception. You know what I mean? Dudes are making up. Like, uh, I knew a player that said he was transferred because he wanted to get closer to home. True story. This is a few years ago. He lived in Alaska. Uh, he was playing in the Midwest. He ended up, he ended up going to a school in Carolina. Like, come on. <laughs> I mean, and he got, you know, he got a waiver. So, no, I'm with you on that. I, I don't – they tried that before. I, I, it would be very tough. The thing that I did like about it was this, and I've said this for years. Look, I get it. I understand. We got to kiss the ass of 18 to 23-year-olds. I, I totally get it. For some reason, you know, we got these billion-dollar uh, institutions. But at some point, this is what I saw in the Tuberville Mansion bill – you know, they're saying, hey, look, we've got to protect our institutions and we've got to protect the sport. And I believe that. It's not saying that students shouldn't make money. It's not saying that students shouldn't be able to transfer. But at some point, you have to, you must protect 
the school. You must protect the sport. You must protect the institution. And if that comes at a cost of a student not being able to transfer every, every year or every semester, then so be it. But I think we forget about that sometimes, fellas. We, we have these unbelievable institutions. We have these, peop, these places where, man, people can go and whatever you want, you got. The other thing that I, I, that I thought about it, Chad, was this. Like, I, I, I don't understand how they are concerned about the haves and the have-nots. There's always been and there always will be the haves and the have-nots. I played at Indiana. I coached at Indiana before the whole boom. But even at Indiana, when I was there through 1980, uh, 1997, we flew private. We would fly, and the longest flight was an hour and a half. Nobody else was really flying private. We were. I go to Bowling Green in 97, and we're driving six, eight hours on bus trips. The haves, of, oh, you're not going to balance that. You are never going to say, okay, we are all in the NCAA Division I category. We're all going to have the same. You just can't do that. You, you, you really can't. And in certain ways, the NIL does level the playing field to a coach that maybe could get a group together at the mid-major level and say, look, we're going to buy a whole three guys. We're going to pay a ton. I don't know. But it ain't going to balance. I'm glad they're talking about the institution, and I'm glad they're talking about protecting the sport. But I'm with you. That transfer thing, that thing's wide open. Other sports have put in one-time transfers. I Let's be honest. When the NCAA goes to court, they lose. So if someone challenged it, I would anticipate them losing. Yeah, and I think the portal has really helped college basketball and the NCAA tournament. I, I, football, as far as evening things out and, and parity, I, I haven't seen it. We're, you could go ahead and predict who you think will be in the college football playoff of the four teams this upcoming season, and you could pick about six teams that we probably would have in the four, vying for it in the final week. Point being, the portal, I think, has enhanced the tournament and the overall competition. Don't know if you agree. I, I, I love the fact that I'm going into a tournament now thinking that a 15-seed has a better than 1% chance of, of winning a game. Well, it's not only that, uh, Jonathan, but, but it's also, the, you know, the COVID, the extra year, which I think comes to an end maybe this year. I'm not sure. You know, older teams, I don't give a damn how good you are, and Kentucky's shown that. I don't give a damn how good you are as an 18-year-old. If you've been in a basketball program at a major college level where it is year-round and you've been in there three years, and let's say you either stay or you transfer – Man, your body is just different than what an 18-year-old is. I don't care, yeah. unless you're Zion Williamson or LeBron James, right? Your basketball intellect is so much better. So not only the transfer portal, but I would also argue that the COVID year, older is better. We've learned that in college basketball. Now, look, I'm not saying that it's automatic, but to your point, I mean, look who made the Final Four. San Diego State made the Final Four. Florida Atlantic made the Final Four. I mean, your point is right there, and it happened this year. No, I, I don't disagree. I got no problem with the portal, but I don't have to coach in it. You yeah, know, I don't, yeah. I don't have to be a, you know, and, and, and Jonathan, I don't have to be a dad in it whose son is now a sophomore, you know, didn't play much as a freshman, was promised, you know, hey, you're going to play as a sophomore, junior, and all of a sudden here comes two guys, you know, transferring in ahead of me. I'll give Izzo credit. Izzo's not involving himself in it. Izzo said exactly that. You know, back in the day, you used to recruit and you would show a path for a kid, play some as a freshman, be a full-time guy as a sophomore, and then be a starter, junior, senior. Now it's all different 
because, hey, look, all of a sudden some kid from Illinois State's good enough. Now he's going to end up at Kentucky, and he's going to jump in front of a guy. So uh, that's hard. Dan Dockich, don't at me with Dan Dockich mornings right here on the Outkick Network. Dan, always great, man. We appreciate you. We'll be watching tomorrow morning. Thanks, guys. Thanks for everything. See ya. Yeah, there he goes to pick up the coffee mug and the spillage. Yep. We complain next. Primary complaint. Time to get pissed off for Gregor's. Coming up in 20 minutes, Sean Payton and some media availability torching the NFL's gambling policy. We'll have details and thoughts on that coming up. Hot Shame on us. With Hutton and Withrow. Shame on us. Uh, across the Outkick Network. That's actually a good segment idea. Shame on us. Just shame on us where we just we fall on the sword for uh, the, the whole Lebitard, Stephen A. Smith back and forth. There's yeah. basically one big pissing contest. Shame, shame on, on us. But it's shame on them. Shame on you, but also, you know, you made a good point. Shame on me, too. But more than that, shame on you. Shame on you first, but also shame on me. And you know what? Shame on us. Shame on us. This is a future (laughs) segment on the show. I can't wait. Uh, A recurring segment weekly is where we air our top grievance of the week. It's time for primary complaint. It's time to air our top grievance of the week. You can complain all you want. My job is so unfulfilling. Don't run away from your feelings. It's time for Hot Mike's primary complaint. Guys, my primary complaint this week, the touch screens, like for instance, I'm at uh, UPS. I was shipping something to my dad uh, a week or so ago. And you have to sign on the touchpad or whatever with your finger, right? This, like, the idea that I'm going to somehow sign, have my signature look anything similar to how I actually sign my name on that screen in that very small space where it's almost too small for, for your index finger to sign anything other than just make a mark. It is as if they gave me a pen and I tried to sign my name with my left hand. And somehow that verifies that that's me being okay with whatever the terms and conditions are on that screen. Just get back to the little pin and pad. It's my primary complaint. It's as if they ask you to leave your signature when you were in second grade. That's yeah. what it looks like. When you first started to learn how to write your name in cursive, leave it as it's that. that that's going to be your new Make signature. Make a dot on this, this screen to, ver- to show that you, is, you are who you, you, know, you, you agree to this. It is an odd process. Let me give you another odd process. This is quickly becoming an issue across many businesses across America. When you are an employee of a business, especially a business that provides a service in some way, and you welcome people into your stores as part of that business, it is on you, the employee, to problem solve and create solutions and not the customer. You don't turn to the customer to find the solution for a problem within your store. Let me give you a classic example of this that happened over the weekend. I go to a local Publix. I love Publix. All right, It's my favorite grocery store to go to. I think it's a great business. But got to pick up a few things. I end up getting some chicken breasts that I'm, I'm going to grill. All right, It's in the freezer. It's in the poultry section. It's right there. I didn't go next door to Kroger and get the chicken breast and bring it to Publix trying to check out and pay for it. You will now. It's within their store. 
It's in the confines of the store. It's right in the section where it should be. Grab the chicken breast, throw it in my cart, proceed to checkout. We get to the chicken breast portion of the checkout, and the young man who is checking me out looks at both sides and says, Phrasing. Just, just like this. Yeah, phrase that. The young man checking you out. The young man checking me out. <laughs> happens all the time. Um, is looking at both sides, and he says, uh, this doesn't have a barcode on it. And I proceed to just stare at him. There's a good two to three seconds yeah. of awkward silence. I'm just kind of shrugging my shoulders, and I say, okay. And he looks again, like it's going to magically appear this time, and says once more, it doesn't have a barcode. And my response was, I got it in your store. I, I don't know what to tell you. You know where it's from. He then turns to the lady, the, the young high school girl, who's also checking me out <laughs> of the store, and she decides <laughs> to be a problem solver. You know what she does? I'll figure this out. And she walks back to the freezer, and she goes and finds the same poultry product that has a barcode on it. I said, thank you. Thank you, ma'am. Because if you expect me to now leave this line that I've waited in to go back to the poultry section and find the chicken that has a barcode on it simply because your employees did not put a barcode on this chicken, then you were sadly mistaken. You're either going to give me the chicken for free, which would have been my preferred deal. Okay. It's like a banker's error in your favor, a monopoly. All right, I get the chicken for free. Put it in the bag. Let's go. That'll save all of us time. Or you're going to run back there and find one with a barcode. That's what this young woman did. I applaud her. I say shame on you to the clerk who decided to look at me like it was my problem that his chicken did not have a barcode on it. This is my primary complaint. You should have just stole it. It's not like it's going to ring up whenever you walk out the door. You know what? I'm taking this. Guys, I'm taking this. And I just show everyone there, the manager, this chicken's going with me. It's terrible advice. I actually do not advocate anyone stealing from any establishment. Yes. I've got Um, a lot of vices. Shoplifting is not one of them. So (laughs) I'm good. I'm good on the shoplifting. What's that called? Chad overpays for his chicken. Kleptomaniac. I would have left a tip. Had they just handled the problem immediately without looking to me well, to solve it. Well, used to, you could just uh, just plug in a number or whatever and find, like, oh, chicken breasts so, and bring so it up. So many routes this guy could have gone. I, I thought he was going to do that. Okay, let me look it up. You know, if they can't find a barcode I mean, on it yeah. and find the product. No. it yeah. just He just stares at me. It doesn't have a barcode. Oh, okay. I always do the self-checkout. Has anybody here remembered just, like, certain codes for certain items? Like where you do the item lookup, like for, with produce, like randomly, like everything oh, I'm going to buy. didn't work in a grocery store. How would anyone that didn't work in a grocery store know this? You, oh, just, you, you, you know just the look at the, the code, and then it's just like when you do the item lookout. I mean, I didn't know it before I started oh, you're doing the like self-checkout. Yeah. Okay. So it's like, ah, avocados, four, two, two, five, you know? That's pretty Onions, good four, six, memory six, because I would just remember avocados because I searched by name, <laughs> not code. Like I just search AV, and then avocados pops up. You actually remember the number associated with it? Yeah. But again, I'm weird. So. Davey might be a serial killer. That's what we're learning right Avocado now. This might, might be an actual thing. Uh, well, I might kill somebody after <laughs> my most recent news. My primary complaint is the fact that the Creed Tour and the Creed Cruise is already sold out. I saw they had pre-sales on the 23rd. So I'm thinking, okay, that's cool. They'll have that. But the actual sales date is the 26th, which just so happens to be today. So last night... Of course, just looking at it, see if anything's changed from a pricing standpoint. And lo and behold, on the website, I get the sold out sign. So now I can join a wait list, but I have no guarantees with that. I also just have to put down $200 for the wait list. And that doesn't even guarantee me I'm getting my money back. So 
Uh, currently, Creed Cruz. It's a non-refundable wait list. I don't. They don't have anything on the site that tells me one way or cruise? another. Put yes. <laughs> I like. I don't want to throw. I don't. I'm not in a position financially to where I can just throw two hundred dollars away on the chance that right. I don't get this money back. Put that that band list back up too on there because I mean this is if you want to know why this Creed Cruise is sold out. I mean some of these great bands like I also have a Tantric and Dishwalla and Fuel and the Verve Pipe. Not to be confused with the Verve. Another band from the 90s. I mean, Buck Vertical Cherry. Horizon, yeah. Tonic, Buck Cherry. Which of the non-headliners, because Creed and Three Doors Down are definitely the yeah. headliners, would, would demand the most interest in this? I'd probably Buck Cherry. Oh, that's a great question. I, I um, would say Vertical Horizon just because they at least had two, I wouldn't say number one hits, but two that really took off in um, Everything You Want and... Now I've already forgot the name, so I'm hurting my own point on this one. No, it, uh, you're a god. That was the other one. Yeah, yeah, that is a good song. So, but Creed was your main interest in this, right, Davey? Yes, followed by Three Doors so, Down. But two hundred dollars for a wait list—that that's accurate, right? Two hundred bucks if you wanted Correct. to join it. What I think this is—they are a pyramid scheme. No, I think they're looking at the wait list, and if you're a hot chick, you you get on board. You think they're and doing it, like Instagram lookup on? And, <laughs> if, it, and if there's a dude who's willing to pay two hundred dollars, it's like okay, well, I guess we'll let him in too I, for this I, non-refundable tip that I'd he's like, given us to join the cruise. I'd like to make a correction. It's actually one hundred ninety-nine dollars. So <laughs> it couldn't make it easy. Yeah. What do so, you think, Chad? Do you think they're they're? Uh, I think this was all pre-sale as sellout, of, right? As part Correct. of Hutton's theory, pre-sale sellout, which means they're they're controlling the tickets to begin with on the pre-sale, and who gets that? And then they're controlling the wait list, and you have to be such a fan or so eager to get on that you're going to pay 200 bucks. And then if you're a hot female, you're absolutely getting on this So the, the scientific process is what? Control and test in, in terms of the two things you're looking at, control and variant or whatever yeah, it is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We need to put forth a control and variant. One is, first off, we've got to pull the money together to make, let Davey do this. But get on the guest list as Davey Hudson. And then let's uh, catfish them with a <laughs> fake name of an attractive female and put that female on the on the list after you, okay? Yeah. So we know that this came after you and see which one gets on. And then when they let the hot female on, the way Hutton I, is surmising might be happening, yeah. then you can say, aha, I got you. They, it's still me, Davey Hudson, I mean, and I'm I, now on the Creed Cruise. Yeah, yes. Like, again, I, I'm... I don't think uh, the the, the guy to girl ratio on surface level is going to be very much male, right? For this, oh yeah. Well, I mean, it, Davey's flocking to 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 try to get tickets, and he can't as tickets go on sale. Uh, point being, I think they're trying to help the ratio a bit with this scheme to get you to pay 200 bucks on a wait list. And I, I've never been on a cruise before, but is there a secondary market to buy cruise like? Cruise line tickets like there would be to, you know, oh, I'm going down to the the Titans Saints game. Like, yeah. I just I don't think you can do that based on the info you'd have to have to board a ship. Yeah. yeah. I don't think it's just as sense. easy to like, I'm going to hoard all the Creed, Creed Cruise tickets <laughs> and sell them on the secondary market. There's some guy in Fort Lauderdale right now that's sitting on 80 Creed Cruise passes, just waiting on the Davy Hudson's of the world to jump in there. Or the cartel bought them all up so they can do their drug Good drops thing. in the ocean. Yeah, it's going to be a, a lot of watermelon stuff with drugs on the Korean yeah. cruise. Oh, probably. Or people. <laughs> yeah. Or humans. <No. laughs> drug uh, mules.
What are the chances you get uh, to the front of the line if you sign up, baby? We'll help you if that's if it's higher than 70%. Uh, I don't know. They say uh, come back on the 28th, and they'll, they should have more information. So Friday. Okay. We'll see what happens. Well, I really think that if it's still that, we need to go with this experiment. Yeah, we I, need to or or fine. I mean, if there's uh, I don't know if any women ever watch this show, but if there's one woman out there that's interested in the Creed Cruise that would like to also get on the wait list, you can do it after Davey and we'll see who gets on yeah. first. We've got a friend in Dallas who's agreed like he's in. So we'll see what what we can make happen as far as I was still trying to get a couple more people in. because well, Obviously, let's find the more the you have <laughs> again for yeah, the control. I think that's the key. And the no, very, no, I'm, that. Not, I'm not I was concerned with your dude, bro, buddy no. in Dallas. Let's find uh, let's find a sheet. But you need you you're only going to join if he's going on the cruise with you is what you're saying. Well, yeah, I was trying to get four people together because yeah. it just it helps lowers the, the cost. Oh, I think by solo a lot. is the way to go on this cruise. I think you're far better off to just roam this bad boy. <laughs> like you need to just play pickup shuffleboard on the deck of this ship of this cruise ship and oh. just see what happens. See where the night takes you. Now I'm I need to check in on media credentials. We'll see what we can do there. That is a good question. <laughs> If the I'm, credentials I'll are talk, great, I'll guns talk will to be guns. There. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, guns would, yes, guns would know how to make that happen. Uh, Chad, uh, great complaint uh, by you and, and Davey as well. Um, nothing tops this, though. You, if we're having a bad day on primary complaint, there's. Uh, I, I've often, uh, you, right around, you look at all of these cranes, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I, I'm like, how do they get that? I know it's weighted and balanced. How does it not fall over more often? Uh, in New York, it literally caught fire and then tumbles onto another building across the street. Uh, this is terrifying. Imagine being the wow. crane operator as it catches fire at the top and then the arm of it topples down and falls to the street uh, in you know the middle of the day. Was anyone hurt? Uh, six people, four, I guess, civilians and then two firefighters. But they were all minor injuries, nothing super serious. I mean, it's remarkable there was nothing serious yeah. based on— Thank God it was only minor injuries. And it hits a building, like a, you know, a, a, another tall building with, I don't know if it's office, condo, whatever, uh, into the windows of the top couple floors, which would you know, be the premium location of where you wouldn't want to live or well, work. Be, think about being in your corner office and uh, then having that yeah. just take the window out right behind you. Yeah. This happened at 7.30 this morning, and the crane was 45 floors up. Four, oh, what happened? What do we have? What happened with the guy operating the crane? He was well. He noticed there was a fire with the engine. I think they were trying to lift up sixteen tons worth of uh, material. He tried to put the fire out with the extinguisher, but that didn't work. So he had to bell. And after he belled, is pretty much you saw what unfolded. Yeah, the, the crane unfolded down to the street. Coming up, Sean Payton. He torches the NFL gambling policy, and. Shame on us is what he says. Shame on us. Next, not Mike.